Welcome everyone to the Polaris podcast. I am Jeremy Whippeck, a partner of the Wealth Advisory Group, and we have on with us Jeff Powell. So Jeff is our managing partner and chief investment officer. Jeff, really nice to talk to you today. Good morning. So Jeff, uh, really looking forward to our conversation um, on inflation. So this is something that's uh, obviously been talked about a lot. And uh, with a lot of the recent movements in prices, I think something that we're going to continue to hear a lot about. And the big question that a lot of people have is, is this something more permanent or is this what they're referring to as transitory? So do you mind kind of breaking down the narrative? What are they referring to when they talk about inflation and it, it being something more permanent versus transitory? Yeah, I love the fact that uh, we try to overcomplicate things by using big words like transitory rather than just saying temporary. Uh, you know, it's it's a way for the financial industry to try to make themselves feel smarter than we actually are or something of that nature. Uh, but, you know, really what we're talking about here is that we've, we've gone through a major disruption from an economic uh, supply chain side of things and that the inflation that we are seeing right now uh, at least the Federal Reserve, and uh, I would say the more than uh, the majority of economists believe that what we're dealing with right now is kind of just a retooling the uh, the scales or whatever else you want to sit there and deal with while we kind of get our feet properly underneath us so that the economy, both you know not only domestically but as well as internationally, can kind of normalize and, and kind of get back to normal. Got it. And so um, why why is it important to understand or make the distinction between the two? Is one worse than the other? Does it have different uh, ramifications? Why are people trying to figure out if it's more permanent or something more temporary? Well, I, I think that what it really comes down to, Jeremy, is you got to look at um, inflation not as just a standalone item, but how it really kind of impacts everything else that's going on. So for example, we just went through one of the largest recessions that we've ever had. Um, and of course, in a way self-induced, right? I mean, not really self-induced, we had a worldwide pandemic and we had to combat it in the ways that we knew how to without over overwhelming our medical system. Uh, but nonetheless, we had to shut down our economies. Now we're bringing it back online and you've got to do things in certain ways in order to not completely have, uh, again, a, a, a mistake on how you're reopening. So when you're dealing with inflation, for example, inflation, when you're, when you're having a increase in prices coming out of a recession, historically speaking, that's not a bad thing. I mean, right now, the last quarter is the first quarter that we had that we've shown positive economic activity since the pandemic began. And we're just now starting to see positive growth pattern where, and before, I mean, like our economy having fallen as much as it has, we're nowhere close to uh, being back to where we were at the height of uh, where we uh, were economically in 2019 going uh, you know, headstrong prior to having the uh, the pandemic uh, rear its ugly head. So having some things out there are not bad. Now, talking about a more permanent versus a temporary inflation is also you know, very important to sit there and, and, and make a distinction. And really the, the reason for that is a permanent inflation means you know, a increase in cost of living. So going to the grocery store, going to the gas station, going to, wherever and having that cost you more money 
day in, day out. So if your own income is not going up at the same you know, levels as what you're seeing with what the cost of living increases are, then your your lifestyle is diminishing. Your your purchasing power is diminishing. So oftentimes what ends up happening when you start to see inflation is kind of this, the, the Federal Reserve will uh, start you know, thinking of and, and start acting on ways to try to combat inflation. And the number one way that they can do that is by raising rates, by raising Fed funds rates. Got it. And so, um, Jeff, I know as people look at the various sources online, um, there's a debate raging whether this is something more permanent versus transitory. Do you mind giving your thoughts um, on what you believe this is? And I know you have uh, some research that you've done. What are some of the things that we should be looking at to get a better handle on what's going on here? Well, let's talk out a couple things. Um, so, for example, even before uh, the hacking of the colonial uh, gas line on the East Coast, uh, there were predictions that gasoline prices were going to skyrocket. And the reason why they were going to skyrocket is that we have seen a dramatic number of long haul um, truckers that are retiring and we're not replacing them. So when you have a, a specific skill set, and again, if you're talking about being able to haul, I don't even know how many thousands of gallons of gasoline in the back of one of those single or double uh, gasoline trucks, uh, that is a skill. And it, we are way short on the number of drivers that are needed in order to get gasoline from uh, basically you know, two gas stations from uh, from where gasoline is being made. I mean, so you really are dealing with a major issue with, with a dislocation. And these people decided to retire during the midst of COVID. And it's not that they are unemployed now. Uh, it's that they are just simply retired. So we've seen a major disconnect. Um, I mean, we'll take it a, a, another step further. I mean, uh, the number of pools that were manufactured uh, during COVID was uh, out of control. I mean, and now we have, guess what? A shortage of chlorine because chlorine was not being manufactured at a level that they were able to keep up with the uh, amount of pools that were being made. So now there is a major supply a shortage in chlorine. Uh, I'll take it one other step. Um, and this is a little bit uh, more of an issue. So I, I like to kind of talk this one out because really I think that it has kind of a, a full you know, spectrum of what we've dealt with, uh, which is the uh, lumber prices. So we saw lumber uh, back pre-COVID uh, was around $400 per thousand board feet. And that's how lumber is measured by thousand board feet. So dealing with it, COVID hits, lumber prices go from 400 down to 200. To be expected, right? I mean, who is building a house? You know, construction all but stopped. Uh, the use of lumber all but stopped. And then as things started to pick back up, meaning like, okay, you know, we are uh, seeing numbers start to, to quell. People started moving out of the cities going, oh my gosh, I cannot stand being in a small apartment. I need to be somewhere where I can get outside, that I have a yard, maybe I can get a pet, uh, something. So you see this huge demographic shift and you saw the price of lumber move from $200 a, a thousand square board feet to almost 1,700 
Again, 200 all the way up to uh, almost $1,700 per board foot. And now you've seen it absolutely plunge. So why did this happen? Again, you had the demographic shift. You hadn't seen mills start to open in order to deal with the, the supply and demand needs of what was going on within the builder's market. So all of a sudden, you started to see this huge demand without the supply to fill it. What's going to happen then? You got more demand than supply, and the prices are going to go up. The scarcer the resource, the faster the price goes up. Then what ended up happening? Mills started opening up. People started going back to work. The price of lumber has dropped below $700 a, a thousand board, a thousand feet of, of, of board. So you've gone from 200 to 1700 down to 700 So prices are all over the board. This is what we're talking about with like transitory. You know, is this something that you should see uh, an 800% increase in the, in the cost of a, a byproduct in the course of a year? And then have it drop. I mean, June's price in lumber dropped by more than 40%. It's the largest one month drop ever in the history of lumber prices. You've seen the same thing going on with steel rebar. Uh, you've seen a huge run up in the price of copper. Uh, same thing with concrete. Uh, so all building materials where you've seen this huge run up and then you've seen a pullback. Now lumber is probably the most extreme of those, but it gives you a perfect example of what we're talking about with transitory. Yeah, so Jeff, I mean, as you explain that, I mean, everything that you're talking about, I mean, it makes sense, right? When During the beginning of the pandemic, when these weren't, supplies weren't necessarily needed because everyone's locking down, um, that lack of demand caused the price to drop. And now that demand shot up, of course, we don't have the supply to go with it because we literally shut down the economy, not just in the US, but worldwide. So why are people so surprised by this? Because when you lay it out that way, Kind of seems like well of course that's how it's going to happen because that's the sequence of events on how we fought this pandemic why why is there such an uproar or such surprise with this price movement even though i mean just walk through the logic of it where it actually makes sense and it seems like uh it would have been even somewhat predictable for people that took the time to think what are the full ramifications of some of the policies that we enacted due to covid well, I think that some of it is, you know, we're dealing with a, a once in a hundred a year type of environment. So the playbook that's normally out and where you can think about things in a little bit more logical fashion, it's not quite as uh, as easy to read ahead of time. I mean, we saw core CPI go from 1.6% in uh, uh, March to run all the way up to three 3.8% uh, in May. We're still waiting on June's number. So uh, you, you saw a pretty significant more than a doubling of uh, what a normal reading of inflation is. That should get anybody's attention. Now, to the point of why it's going on, yeah, I mean, it, it, there's there's a bit that you'd say, okay, well, we're already seeing this demographic shift, so you should expect to see it. There's some things that, quite honestly, they're a little bit, you know, uh, human and uh, and and kind of the unfortunate side of human. Let's talk about uh, what's going on with uh, prices of food. Uh, more importantly, let's talk about poultry, for example. We've seen the price of poultry absolutely skyrocket. Now, you would sit there and think, well, why poultry? And why does this you know, make as much difference? Well, I'm just trying to show an example of uh, what can happen uh, and unintended consequences. So our government 
it, it was absolutely forced to do certain things during the midst of of our uh, our coronavirus crisis. I mean, being able to support people uh, if they were being furloughed or or let go from work, in order to not have our entire financial system shut down as we had you know a full unemployment going to the largest unemployment that we've seen since 1937 you've got to support some of that so having people uh, you know especially in the uh, leisure and entertainment industry which was definitely probably the most impacted area there so your restaurants you know your cruise lines your hotels all that stuff where people were just sent home um you know if those people weren't able to make their mortgage payments then you know, obviously there would have been major foreclosures. Those people would be out of home. Uh, the financial industry would have actually crumbled because of all the bad loans that they didn't know were bad loans that weren't expecting to be bad loans in the process of this. So we threw out this huge stimulus bill and we threw it out quickly. And then we've supported it twice um, and backing and extending uh, some of the services that were being provided to those that are out of work. The problem now is that you've actually uh, given them more incentive to not work than you've given them incentive to work. So in a case of, of the poultry industry, you've seen poultry go from uh, under $4 uh, a pound to now going up to almost $8 a pound. And it, it's amazing uh, how quickly this has gone on. And the reason for it isn't that we don't have lots of chickens, isn't it that the plants aren't opening up. It's the fact that we don't have people in the, in the plants actually processing the food. And so we're in a situation where, again, uh, people are refusing to go back to work and uh, they're not going back to work because they're making more money sitting on a couch than they would be actually working, thinking very, very, very short-term with things. So Jeff, with all of this going on now, is there anything that we should be doing? I mean, is there any behaviors that should be changing or anything that we should be thinking about with regard to our portfolio or like a lot of things we just let things kind of hash out the way that they are and just to uh, continue to focus on the longer term? Well, I don't think that you need to, I don't think that we need to be running for the hills at the moment. I mean, obviously, uh, the great majority of the people that are out there believe this is transitory, uh, including the Federal Reserve. I mean, if you're looking at Fed, uh, Fed futures rates and where we stand right now with Fed futures, uh, the December Fed futures are sitting uh, at basically 90 Five, 96% chance of absolutely nothing happening during the course of this year. Uh, so, and if they were to make a move, it would be a 25 basis point move uh, or a quarter of 1% up in rates. Um, that's not the case if you start looking out a few years. So the one thing that I, I certainly would, would um, express some concern for is people looking at, at the fixed income marketplace. We're in a zero interest rate environment. Uh, you know that rates are only gonna go up um, I mean, you might see short-term price movements that are um, in the face of that, mainly due to sentiment more than anything else. But we know that at some point, the Federal Reserve is going to try to normalize things, just like they tried to back in 2018. So let's just say everything is perfect. Nothing, you know, we're not dealing with any kind of inflation. The Federal Reserve is still going to raise rates in order to combat some of that, nonetheless. Um, but really what we're talking about here is we wanna keep an eye on what's going on. Everybody can sit there and talk a great chemo that this is temporary, it may not be. And if it's not, the Federal Reserve is going to have to react to this. They're not gonna sit there and allow rates, non-core rates are at 5% right now, core rates are at 3.8. If you were to sit there and see these things go up even more over an extended time period, the Federal Reserve is gonna to have to make uh, 
some sort of stand in raising rates in order to combat inflation. And so if they were to do that, obviously there, there's material impacts on uh, your more debt-ridden companies or companies that have less control over their margins. So for example, uh, there are specific areas within the technology world that are really able to control their margins better. They can raise rates very easily on their product uh, or lower them very easily on their product, uh, depending on what's happening. Uh, can't do that as much with certain other product matter. Something that's you know, a higher uh, cost of manufacturing has less ability to sit there and, and fit the margins in. So when you've got lower margin, higher debt companies, those are gonna be the ones that are more impacted by an inflationary environment where it eats away at their margins. So you do wanna be cognizant of it. Uh, just don't be reactive. Got it. And so, and Jeff, um, one last question, and I want to ask this because I have been getting a lot of this, and uh, you actually alluded to this earlier before uh, we started this podcast, but that is, this is the time where inflation's starting to uh, mount, we're getting some numbers, and so precious metals like gold and silver are supposed to be having a heyday, where this is the argument for holding those is that they can be, although, uh, and I know you've talked about this in the past, where sometimes they don't hold true, but they can be a, an effective hedge against inflation and inflationary expectations. What has been the movements of gold and uh, why is it moving in the way that it is? Well, as I think you sort of alluded to more than anything else before, um, we've written time and time and time again that gold, well, gold and silver are, are two different beasts, really, if you're looking at uh, how to use them for inflation hedge. Uh, Silver has a lot more of an industrial uh, side of things. So you can see the price of, of silver move very separately from gold just because of what's going on with manufacturing. So let's put silver aside for a moment and talk gold because you get people that are, you know, what are referred to as gold bugs that have to own gold at all costs and everything else that goes into it. And the reality behind it is that gold historically is not a fantastic hedge against currency crises or against inflation where you typically are wanting to see these types of things go on. And what, what we're seeing right now is that gold went from about almost 1950 uh, down to below $1,800 an ounce uh, during the course of this year. So uh, again, not a hedge in the slightest. From the beginning of 2021 through March, it fell through the floor, went down to about 1700, raised up to 1900 uh, in May, uh, and now we've seen it fall back off to about 1800. So um, the problem with gold is gold is only worth what somebody else is willing to pay for it. Uh, I've got the same issue with gold as I do uh, with cryptocurrency. With the difference is this is something that's tangible versus cryptocurrency not being it. But it, it's a commodity in its purest form. You don't manufacture anything with it. It doesn't make anything. It doesn't have earnings per share. It doesn't pay out a dividend. So what is its value? its value is only worth what somebody else is willing to pay you for it. So again, it's not a perfect situation. So do you want to be relying on it? No, I wouldn't be relying on it. Just like you're right now seeing uh, the US dollar actually rallying into what's going on also, which is very atypical uh, when you're dealing with an inflationary environment. So, um, you know, we've got some pretty crazy times that we're dealing with, a lot of juggling of atypical markets. I mean, we're seeing... Again, a fight back and forth between growth and value companies. A lot of that has to do with what we're seeing with inflation and or transitory inflation 
Uh, a lot of it is wait and see, but if I was going to put my finger on it and best guess, you know, really what we're talking about here is a temporary thing, which is why you're not seeing uh, gold prices strengthen as much as they possibly could, because most people realize this is uh, a flash in the pan, so to speak. No pun intended. Uh, yeah, well, Jeff, uh, really appreciate your thoughts and insights and helping us to uh, navigate a lot of the news that's being uh, flooded just with regard to these uh, concepts. So as always, thank you very much for your time. My pleasure. So to all of our listeners, thank you for uh, giving us your ear. And as always, be happy, be safe, and be healthy. Polaris Wealth Advisory Group, LLC, is a federally registered investment advisor. The information, statements, and opinions expressed in this material are provided for general information only and are subject to change without notice. This material does not take into account your particular investment objectives, financial situation, or needs, is not intended as a recommendation to purchase or sell any security, and is not intended as individual or specific advice. It should not be construed as investment, legal, or tax advice. Before acting on this material, you should consider whether it is suitable for your particular circumstances and, if necessary, seek professional advice. Polaris Wealth does not offer professional, legal, or tax advice. All information contained herein is believed to be accurate, but accuracy cannot be guaranteed. Advisory services are only offered to clients or prospective clients where Polaris Wealth Advisory Group, LLC, and its representatives are properly licensed or exempt from licensure. Past performance is no guarantee of future returns. Diversification does not assure a profit or protect against loss. Investing involves risk and possible loss of principal capital. No advice may be rendered by Polaris Wealth Advisory Group, LLC, unless a client service agreement is in place.